Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Today in our podcast, Daniel van Dalen, a multidisciplinary entrepreneur, born in the Netherlands, raised in Europe and China, and the founder of Pavel, Dalen Design, and much, much more. Daniel, I mean... Turning 25 last Saturday. Um, still recovering. Still recovering. We had a call last Friday, one day before you turned uh, 25. Yeah. And you said the big, the big 25. I know. Uh, first time that you uh, celebrated it in the Netherlands with your friends and family. Like, how did it feel for you? It was phenomenal. It was, um, you know, being back. So being back in the Netherlands since, you know, a very long time. Um, it was very good to spend it with family. And it's one of those things that, you know, throughout my career, I've sacrificed a lot. And at moments like these, I really do see how important family and friends are because yeah, you can't just, you know, work until you die. It's like, you need to balance it out. So it was really good. Um, I was actually, they, they threw a surprise party, which was amazing. So I met a lot of good friends that I hadn't seen in a very long time and got to spend a lot of quality time with them. So that was, uh, that was very good. Yeah. That's amazing. And also, yeah, big 25. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you've done so far. Uh, you've started when you were, I think around 15, 16, and I think we'll uncover all of this today. But, uh, before we get into all that, uh, maybe a quick introduction from your side, uh, who you are and also what you do. Yeah, so I'm Daniel Van Dalen and I, throughout my career, sort of cut out the van because in China they don't really get the van, uh, which leads to the next topic. I grew up partly in China and I originally have a design background because my dad is an architect and I grew up really looking up to my dad. Um, so I started off as a designer and eventually got into computer science, which was when I started combining those two. So throughout the last few years, I've been building communities and building product and um, mainly focusing on education currently. And throughout my career, I have been involved with around two startups and helped a bunch of businesses with design stuff, consulting uh, amongst a few Fortune 500 companies. And currently, as I said, really focusing on education and helping the younger generation to do similar things. That's awesome. That's super impressive. I mean, uh, already introduction. I think there are so many follow-up questions that I would like to have. But let's start really in the in the beginning before uh, we talk about all your entrepreneurial ventures that you had so far. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your childhood um, because uh, I went back quite a long time in your timeline looking for answers and questions. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that you said in a, in a video that um, that you had a little bit like, um, I wouldn't say maybe a difficult childhood, childhood, but you felt always a little bit like the, the outsider, the new kid, because you moved around a lot. Um, but you also felt a little bit different. Um, and I would like to talk about, uh, this feeling of feeling different. Like how did that show to you? Like, why did you feel, we feel different? I would say that I still to this day feel different. And I sort of kind of indulge the fact that I do feel different because I feel like in some ways I am very different because I really, um, as I said in the beginning of, of the introduction, I've sacrificed a lot, but, um, as a kid growing up, having a very strong opinion, uh, both my parents, um, are entrepreneurs. And I grew up with two extremely hardworking parents that to this day, um, I am beyond grateful for because the values that I live by today, the person that I am today is, um, a big part of, of the values that have been set, uh, 
by my parents and sort of the guidance that they've given me and most importantly the freedom that they've given me because when I decided to make the step on setting up my own business at the age of 16 or started freelancing they did give me complete freedom which um yeah has been a significant impact in, on my growth but to get really back to you know me growing up it was very difficult like i was an outsider i didn't have many friends because we were moving around so much and even to this day i have a lot of friends that i became really close with in you know over the course of the last few years kind of accepting that i come and go um but they all have friends that they grew up with since kindergarten and i don't have that because i've always been on the move and i've always been growing up in different cultures being exposed to different cultures which you know allowed me to have a very broad perspective on life and look beyond you know what's inside the ring of amsterdam for example um so that was very difficult because i naturally gravitated away from a lot of things that kids my age would do and especially in an environment such as amsterdam where you know you at a very young age do get exposed to a lot of different things such as drugs or alcohol and I just couldn't do that also because I one didn't feel like doing it so I just simply didn't do it which majority of the kids my age would feel you know pressure from their friends and try those things out but I didn't um which automatically resulted in me kind of also you know feeling disconnected to those people so that was extremely tough um definitely you know uh caused some some mental issues which over the course of the time you started to dig in and start to realize how to deal with those different things and and start to reflect on why those things happen and to you know really understand yourself better um but yeah that was that was that was tough a couple of episodes ago i had like a an artist and she was also a little bit like a misfit but uh, in a positive way because she was um, she had like more she was living more in her drawings she was living more in her uh, like maybe imaginary world that she created for herself like did you have like um, early on already like a creative outlet for like maybe not fitting in because I mean of course you still have the same amount the same 24 hours every day and yeah. uh, when people and the other children maybe went outside with their best friend maybe you were like moving and going to the to the different city um, did you have any creative outlet at this time that you I did so one of the things was uh, I've, I've actually because I wasn't performing that well in school because again I didn't really fit in and even the teachers could see that I was different and I had my own very strong opinion at a very young age um, and for me, one of my creative outlets was uh, actually gaming. And that was because I had a lot of friends overseas that all spoke English and I couldn't really be bothered to learn English in school. I was just a very stubborn kid. Um, and that's actually how I've learned my English. So um, I started to game a lot and record me gaming and also post those things on YouTube and edit those kind of stuff. And, and we would set up... Uh, you know, a group of friends and we would give it a name and we would brand it and we would have our own YouTube page, our own website and other people would have to apply to join our kind of gaming crew. <laughs> so that was kind of my outlet. Mm. And that was obviously something that I could do wherever in the world. So uh, I would just, I would literally bring my PlayStation as a kid um, to kind of allow me to disconnect and just, you know, yeah, be with my friends that I couldn't visit because of them being far away either in the UK, I had a few friends in Spain, I had a bunch of friends in China. Um, so that was sort of my way to keep, you know, connecting with them. Mm -hmm. And also obviously learning English um, because yeah, you know, I, I grew up in the Netherlands until I was around the age of 12 before I started going to China where it became more normal for me to speak English and kind of did 
you know, at some point, some, uh, I went to private school to actually learn my Chinese, um, where I obviously had to speak English as well. So, uh, and then naturally just started to pick it up. Hmm. I, I also want to talk a little bit about your uh, young entrepreneurial journey. Like, do you still remember like the, the, the first time that, um, you had maybe like your first entrepreneurial venture? Um, and I'm not talking about, uh, m maybe okay, it can be that actually business, but I'm, I'm more searching for like things like the lemonade stand or the, the oh, really yeah. early, early beginnings. Like, were you super active there or was that yeah. you were not really interested in? So when I was in school, um, when I was around 16, I really, really didn't enjoy school. And um, I don't know, the things that the teachers were teaching just felt really outdated. Um, I initially started as, as, you know, doing like branding, UX, UI design and all those kind of things. And then later on made the switch to uh, sort of computer science and, and backend development because the kind of observation that I had was you always have two teams working on a car. So I use kind of this philosophy when you have a team building a car, you have one team that makes the car drive and you have one, team that makes the car look nice. So I knew how to make the car look nice, but I didn't know how to make the car drive. So that's why I started to learn how to make the car drive. So while I was doing that, I studied one year, which was when I was like around 15 to 16 to actually learn how to code, um, which I then also did for, for some time in China itself in Chinese. Um, and after that, while I was doing that, I was like, Hey, you know, I should try and see if there's any problems that I can solve with the knowledge that I've gained by doing this, which was creating websites. So I started within my own personal network and the first businesses that I helped were actually, uh, my sport coaches, because I used to be on the Dutch national team for karate. And I literally just started to ask everyone about me, do you need a website? Do you need a website? I can make you a very good looking website for a very good price. So as soon as I started to do that, and I started to sort of clock on that, I could easily build a website from scratch and personalize this to their brand and make it responsive and literally copy paste this. So that was one of the first things that I started to basically explore with as a, as a freelancer and one of my first, you know, journeys to actually start making money by uh, a skill that I obtained, obtained, uh, which was when I was around 16 and in the first year, um, which kind of allowed me to take the step to move out on my own and start exploring. And that's when I went to China, basically, um, I sold around, I think like 30 to 40 websites for around three to 5,000 euros, literally just copy pasting, rephrasing the texts and updating a few images here and there. And, and in my first year I managed to do over a hundred thousand euros in profit. And then I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this, is, this is so much freedom. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of, uh, just grew that, you know, it just started to get more comfortable and one thing that I have been talking about a lot as well, um, I've been also digitizing a part of my knowledge and I like I, what I call this is uncomfortable growth positions. And that is something that to this day I keep doing uh, because whenever you're uncomfortable, that's where you find the most growth. And what I was doing throughout my career, if someone would say, oh, can you paint this wall? I'd be like, yes, I can. Even though I didn't know if I would actually be able to do that. So I would basically put myself in that position, put a lot of pressure on myself uh, knowing that I had to live, deliver that deliverable. And, um, as I did that, I basically made sure that I had enough budget to cover someone else doing this for me, but I didn't really have to, because I was just putting myself in that position to try it out and make sure that I could actually deliver that deliverable. Hmm. So that was one of my first, uh, sort of, yeah, early stage businesses as a freelancer that just 
kept growing and started to do a lot of different things and started combining things. Yeah. Seems to be a little bit more profit than a lemonade stand would yeah. make. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's insane. But like, uh, what I find so impressive is that, um, didn't you have like that feeling? I mean, if when when I was sixteen, um, if I would have made a hundred thousand euro in profit, um, I don't know. I I don't I don't think it would have been <laughs> good for my development because I would be okay. Like, what's next? Uh, let's go to Ibiza. Let's. Uh, yeah spent 10k of it because whatever whatever costs the world um like how how do you handle like a 16 year old like making so much money like did you ever have problems of staying with both feet on the ground or is that nah not really i would say there's been a lot of moments in my career where i got humbled very quickly either through losing a lot of money very quickly or making stupid decisions and in the end of the day what i've been doing is solely out of passion and of course you know when i myself when people say things are out of passion it's like it's one thing obviously the money is very important because it's literally the drive of your business without money a business doesn't exist so it was very good for me to scale and it kind of allowed me to um you know explore different cultures more in depth like that's why i was able to go to china that's why i've been able to travel so much like i've literally gone all over the world i've met so many incredible people um And at some point, you know, like I've never be really been a big fan of, of, you know, like, I don't know, supercars or whatever, like I like them, but it's never really been something that I'm really fascinated about. It was more just something that I think is uh, interesting, but not necessarily the focus. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say I just really stayed focused on on developing myself and using that money to basically invest it in myself. And never really thought about it. Like I've always made sure that I had a certain comfort because that is something that is very important to me. If I've always said, you know, I work really hard, so I need to make sure that I also have a certain amount of comfort. So even for example, when I first moved into my apartment in Hong Kong, it was pretty small, but it was still nice. And, you know, I made sure that I had a good membership at like a private club where I had a sauna and a nice working space. Those were the things that I was investing money in. On top mm. of that also in the business itself, I was, um, you know, exploring different things, trying to hire other people, which some of them horribly failed, which some of them went really well. So really just like exploring and, and always use the money as a sort of asset that I could leverage for me to grow, not mm. necessarily to, to spend it or show off because, you know, that has no value to me. It's more, you know, what I've always been wanting to do is become the best version of myself and trying to impact as many people as I can with the things that I do. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've had any issues uh, with making that much money. I, I feel like once you lose it all, you get humbled very quickly and you yeah. know that you need to be careful. Yeah, but that's still remarkable, I think, for like a, a mindset of a, of a 16-year-old. I mean, now you're 25, of course, you look a little bit more reflective on, on money and maybe on yeah on on profit and all those kind of things because you also understand that it's part of um, maybe business transactions and then you can also maybe categorize that a little bit different but with 16 i think it's remarkable because it can i think also go very quickly the the other way as well yeah. um i want to go back a little bit uh, in the timeline also because i think there were so many like valuable things in there already um but just i think also for everyone to understand a little bit where you come from because you first uh, started uh, to study marketing Yeah, no, I, I initially started with with sort of marketing communication, branding and sort of visualizing uh, data and stuff. So mm. if, if you have a business or you have a proposition, I'm sort of my 
task or the study that I was studying was allowing you to visualize that whole proposal, mm. which I got bored very quickly. <laughs> yeah, because like th th that I find an interesting choice because like th this is like maybe like everyone else, right, who wants to yeah. do something in entrepreneurship like uh well yeah a lot of times they, they choose marketing but then there was kind of like this pivotal point for you that you said okay that's boring uh, i want to do something else and i think you you called it some somewhere like the the self-learning journey because you did drop out then and uh, yeah. you started to study computer science yeah um like why did you why did you change your mind in that phase um because i literally felt that i didn't need to finish the study to to practice that skill i I just knew that I could do it. I could see the results that I had for the people that I was delivering this work for. And that for me was enough um, for me to just make that decision. Like I don't, I didn't need like everything that I have learned throughout my career from automation to coding, to dealing with clients, to um, dealing with different cultures, to um, setting up my business accounting is all I've all learned by simply doing and putting myself in these uncomfortable growth positions. And at some point I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel stuck. So for me to move on, I need to get out of this position, which is what I did and ended up moving to the other side of the world. That's really impressive. And uh, talking about cultures and touching with uh, touch points with different cultures. Um, uh, after some years of self-learning, you did move to, to Hong Kong. I mean, you mentioned it a couple of times already. Um, but how big was the culture shock for you, like to really live in, in, in Hong Kong? I mean, you've been there a couple of times, I think with your father yeah. uh, on, on, on yeah. trips and holidays and, and, uh, business trips, but how big of a, of a shock is it if you really actually live there and be there? Okay. This is my home. I would say Hong Kong is still pretty okay. It's not too big of a culture shock simply because it's been colonized by the English for a very long time. And it kind of is a, like the reason why I resonate with Hong Kong so much is because to me, it's best of both worlds. I grew up partly in Asia. I grew up partly in Europe. So I'm literally kind of a mix of both cultures. And in Hong Kong itself, it is also a mix of two cultures because of the colonization of England. So um, it kind of feels like the Asian version of New York with, I don't know, like British vibes. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really fun place. So I would say the culture shock itself in general, moving from any city in Europe to, for example, cities such as Hong Kong is is quite a bit culture shock simply because of the fast paced life over there and how significant everything is um, and and how, um, you know, everything is, is, is on such big scale. So I would say that was quite a, I would say not too big of a culture shock, but mainland China itself, that is a massive culture shock life is completely different there that feels like a different planet um i did kind of grow up with the culture so i do really have an in-depth understanding of the culture itself so it wasn't too big of a culture shock um also because i speak the language and it's very easy for me to get around i would feel like it's more of a culture shock for the people themselves there because when they see me speak chinese they're like oh yeah. my god this dude sounds like a local yeah. what's happening but that's crazy because i, I think that's also um, really speaks for yourself right that you really take this um, yeah, maybe a leap of faith uh, to yourself, like that you um, go there. But uh, I think you could, I mean, in, in Hong Kong, probably easily survive with, with English. Yeah. Um, so like, wh why, why putting the, like, go through this, like learning Mandarin? Like, why, why do you do this? At a very young age, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to tell you a story, um, which is very um, related to, to the choice that I made at a very young age. 
I was in a local. I was on a local market in Guilin in China, and Guilin is a third tier city, which is pretty poor compared to cities such as Shenzhen or Shanghai. And I was walking on a local market, and while I was walking on this market, there was a lady sitting on the floor, and she had no teeth, and she was begging for money. And in Chinese, she asked me, "Do you please have any money?" And I told her, "I'm very sorry, I don't have any cash on me." And she basically lifts up her left leg and she pulls out a piece of paper with a QR code, which I could scan to send money to her digital wallet. And this was in 2018. The fact that someone that is homeless has access to this kind of digital infrastructure, a digital wallet where can where she can send and receive money, says everything to me.、Mm. The reason why I ended up studying Chinese is because at such a young age I saw what was happening there. They are ahead. Tens of years、mm, of、crazy. both America and Europe, and that's why I just knew this is why I need to study this language because、um, I initially went there with the idea of selling knowledge that I have obtained on the European and American market to Asia itself, but within a matter of seconds, I literally clocked on that it should be the other way around because we're behind. Years,、mm. so that was why I ended up、uh, studying Chinese and really making the step to integrate myself into the culture and understand the country itself. Super impressive, I think. A very cool story as well. Like the yeah, dude, I was so shy. I had I was I had no other option to give her money. <laughs> She was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a QR code here. <laughs> so, yeah, you can also pay me in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. It's essentially the same. The digital infrastructure that they have in place, it's 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 all peer to peer. So the only thing is that it's centralized, and Bitcoin obviously is decentralized.、Mm. That's really crazy, and the the only thing that I that I haven't、uh, really wrapped my head around yet is like this: where does this constant, almost internal like motivation pressure I don't know how to call it、uh, come from to that you keep on challenging yourself? Like it's never enough, so you always want to do the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Where does it come from? I would I would being very honest and open. I think throughout my career, the ups and downs that I have seen and the mental kind of Issues that I've had dealing with so many different situations has been extremely tough. But I think you know certain points in your career when you outweigh the result against、um, you know the pain that you go through, it's always worth it. And for me to do what I have been doing has been, I don't know. I feel like that's literally the reason why I'm on this planet. You know, so. Constantly reminding myself of why I'm doing what I'm doing, a lot of journaling, a lot of reflecting on everything that I've gone through,、um, kind of just keeps me going. And I feel like anyone could do that. Like I'm no different than anyone else. It's just that I've really forced myself into a mindset where I start doing because it's it's literally proven that as soon as you have any idea, if you think about this idea for longer than three seconds, you automatically start thinking about what could go wrong. And I've just been doing, I've really just been doing and reflecting on what I've been doing. And after I did that, I had a result, and then I started doing something else, and I just keep keep growing. And that is also something that really excites me. You know, it's like、um, I feel like in a certain career. Uh, a certain part in my career, I kind of faced like、um, 
a point where I started to accept that I could grow so much because when I was in school, when I felt like an, a, a misfit, I felt like, okay, I need to figure everything out on my own. I need to, you know, learn everything on my own. Um, and as soon as I sort of started to step away from, okay, no, I should be open to learn from others. I should be open to look at what other people are doing and not have everything, you know, and not have to figure everything out on my own. That's when I started to see real growth. And every year on year, I feel like I become twice the entrepreneur that I was last year. And um, that is just something that is extremely motivating. And especially now within the stage that I am currently sharing more of the experiences that I've gone through that are beneficial to a lot of people that want to do similar things, that want to achieve certain amount of freedom in their life, which also goes hand in hand of what is happening in the world in general, because we're growing, like it's called the future of work on in remote working and, and more happiness in, in the workplaces itself. That is extremely motivating because the impact that I'm having on younger generations through sharing what I've done, that is also something that I just constantly remind myself of, which makes it a no brainer for me to continue to do what I do. So I would say it's kind of just really asking yourselves the right questions. Like, why am I doing this? And if you know why you're doing what you're doing, there shouldn't be any reason for you to, you know, doubt why you are doing what you're doing, because if you know it, then you just, mm. you just keep going. Yeah, I think it's very clear for you. Um, I think that, but that you have a very special mindset. I, I'm not sure if you re realize that. I'm, I'm guessing you do. Um, but I think most people don't think like this. As, as you said, like uh, most people really think in the terms of, uh, okay, I have a cool idea, but yeah, financial time commitment. I have a family. I cannot do this. I have a girlfriend. I have a dog. I have, I don't know, something to do. I have to go to the gym. So they they forget about the idea again. So I think it's not um, like it's, it's not everyone has the same, this kind of mindset, you know, that, that you have that you say like, well, I turn every kind of idea into an opportunity and then maybe later into a product. I agree. But to some extent, I also really just think that's like bullshit. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but I think to some extent it's bullshit. Like I feel everyone has, you know, at least 12 hours a day, at least. And you cannot tell me that within every single day, you cannot find one or two hours to start working on something on the side that you like, that you have a passion for that down the line you can monetize or turn into something bigger. That is that is simply just not true. Like the amount of time that we lose, you know, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling on TikTok, scrolling on Instagram, watching Netflix, watching, you know, any kind of entertainment, you know, that doesn't benefit you in whatever way. Like that's something that consumes a lot of people on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think it's, it's really that mind shift, uh, that shift of, of your mindset to, to really start doing and and like I don't like if you really want it you can do you can do anything and a lot of people just give up too soon you know it's like if it was easy everyone would do it you know yeah. so it's 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 I, I wouldn't say that no one can do it it's like I, I think literally everyone can do something they enjoy and monetize that to to a certain extent even if that were to be for you know an, an, an employer but positioning yourself in these un uncomfortable growth like the fact that they don't do it is because it's uncomfortable but that's where you find the growth you know mm -hmm. that's why so many people back out like you said yourself just now like people don't end up doing it yes because it's uncomfortable but that's exactly why you need to do it because you get past the stage of of something being uncomfortable if you start doing it and then it becomes comfortable and then all of a sudden you enjoy it mm -hmm. you see so it's 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 really all about mindset no And uh, speaking of uh, uncomfortable situations, 
I'm just uh, thinking uh, how I was with 18 years old. Um, yeah. I, I think I was completely different than to, to what I am now. Um, and you walked into uh, yeah, meeting rooms, board meeting rooms. Uh, you had a conversation with uh, Fortune 500 companies about, hey, I can um, create a website for you. I can do other, I can UX, UI <laughs> design. Yeah. Like, how did you sell clients in the beginning, even though that you yourself maybe had still like things to learn and knowledge gaps? Like, how did you like pull this off? Is it like a faculty make it uh, mentality or? I would say it's partly being just very confident in what you're doing and just, and one thing that I started to leverage, uh, which funny enough, I sort of seeing like a shift in as well was the generational advantage because the companies that I've like, one of the companies that I've, I've dealt with is Lee and Fung, which is a, it's a very big trading company in, in, in Asia. And the one thing that I started to notice was that they don't know what's going on with the newer generations and they don't know how to connect with the newer generations. So um, that was something that you literally start to leverage because you are that generation. They want to know how you as a young individual interact, what you find interesting. So your age actually becomes an advantage. Um, so kind of, again, you know, making that, uh, sort of step to to put yourself in these uncomfortable growth positions, but also really start to understand the value that you're bringing. Like in the end of the day, it's all about problem solving. And for a lot of these companies, the problem back then was, which to this day is still a problem. A lot of companies still struggle with this. And that is something that just keeps repeating. Um, they want to understand the younger generation because technology and what we spoke about earlier, how this dynamic is changing of how they interact, their reach gets bigger and bigger. Those are things that these companies need to grasp because that is their, those are their new customers. So what I really focused on was just leveraging what a lot of people would think would be, you know, something that I would be looked down on, but it would, it, I turned it into the complete opposite. Like I was like, okay, I'm super young. How can I turn this into one of my strengths instead of, you know, having people say, oh yeah, he's too young to do this. No, I'm the right person to talk to because you want to know what my age range thinks. So that was, you know, how I just really started to reverse engineer that position that I was in, like, okay, instead of looking at the bad, how can I look at the good? Like what position am I in and how can I leverage this? Mm, super crazy. And if you think back, because now you're 25 and uh, I think as an 18 year old, you probably lived already four different lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, what advice would you give like a, a young uh, Daniel, a, a young starter, a young entrepreneur at, who is 18 now, who is maybe at the verge of doing something or not doing something and maybe searching for excuses? What would you advise them? Very good question. I really like this question. I would say the young, if I were to give myself young, my younger self advice, um, it would probably be focus. Focus is the one thing that get that gives you such a head start of anything because in in today's world we are surrounded by so many distractions and especially as someone that can that has a very diverse skill set um and my mom always told me just because you can do a lot of things doesn't mean you should do a lot of things and i myself always started to really take care of everything um, instead of, you know, starting to scale and outsource certain things. So for me, I would say the biggest thing or the biggest skill that you can acquire and that you need to focus on as a young individual is focus. If you focus on that one goal that you have, consistency 
beats intensity all the time. So just nailing down that focus, having an extremely clear goal in mind of where you want to go and how you need to go there. That is what I would give anyone advice. And it's kind of contradictory because on the other hand, I also feel like because I didn't have so much focus in that period of time, I also allowed myself to really understand and learn a lot more skills. But in terms of setting a foundation that has a lot of longevity, for example, like an, an agency model or whatever, or like um, just focusing on one skill in terms of freelancing and just growing that bigger and bigger and bigger, um, that would have created a lot more consistency um, within my own life. Um, and also serve as a foundation to potentially make bigger steps. But um, my story is also very, very unique because, yeah, like I've just been hopping around the world. I've lived in Dubai. I've lived in China itself. I lived in Hong Kong. Spent a lot of time in Indonesia and Bali. Uh, spent a lot of time in the U.S. Um, and yeah, obviously I had so many different experiences. So I also don't know if I would have been able to do that, but for anyone else that were to be this age right now, focus on yourself, invest in yourself and nail down that one goal and don't give up until you've achieved that goal. That would be my main, main sort of advice to young entrepreneurs. Yeah, wonderful advice. Do, do you feel sometimes um, like a pressure also from like maybe not parents but maybe a little bit like from the society that like you also use your kind of privileged position that you definitely had in your childhood of being able to move around being able to ex being exposed to several cultures and uh, is it sometimes also like this inner drive like i also have to do something with this because i mean you could have probably also be could have had like a comfortable life as a as a son as well yeah 100 percent. well to be fair I would say a big part of my drive has also been because of having experienced the ups and downs that my parents have gone through. Like I have seen my parents work extremely hard and we have had days where we literally had to, you know, um, make sure to buy the cheapest bread because things were that tough. So going through all those experiences have been, you know, a very big impact on, on, you know, me also wanting to become financially independent and take of the pressure for my parents to take care of me. Um, and I wouldn't really say that I've ever felt pressure to do what I do. It's, it's, if there's one thing that I've learned is never to compare yourself to anyone or anything, because a lot of people always say, oh, wow, like, oh, you started when you were 16 and this and that is so amazing. But like, I'm no different than anyone else. Like I just decided to do that and you will get there your own way. It's also, you know, you set your own goal. So I've never really felt pressure. Um, also, I would, I would personally argue that people that do, um, like I didn't come from a, a, like we had it good, but it was not like, you know, I would never have to work or anything. Like my parents still work to this day and they still work really hard. Um, but I would personally argue that people that do come from a really good background, it's even more impressive when they actually start to, to, to work really hard because they have the option to not do anything. Like when you're hungry, when you have nothing, that's when you, you have no other option. So you would say that those people are more likely to get there because they, they literally have to, they have like a knife on their throat, but the people that come from a really good background, they don't. 
So I would personally argue that people that do come from a really good background, it's sometimes even more impressive that they get there because that means that they're really doing it because they want to, not necessarily because they have to. And I would say I'm a bit of a mix in between. Like I could have settled at some point, um, gone through ups and downs. Uh, this year I've lost a lot of money, a lot of money, um, which is tough, but it kind of just keeps you with both feet on the ground and just focus on, you know, doing what you enjoy and make sure that you uh, yeah, have a good impact. Mm. I'd agree. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I thought also with the, I think with your, with your hypothesis, your to say like, if you come from a privileged family, like you don't have to, it's because you, you want to. And I think that's very strong. So that like, I have even more respect like that you, that you made it that far, especially in this young age, because I think you could have definitely like enjoyed the, uh, Ch children status uh, longer than, <laughs> than, yeah, yeah, than, yeah, yeah, than yeah. you did because of 16 i mean you're yeah. practically like maybe still sometimes a, a child even, even though that of course you had like a different mindset but that's uh, that's actually really crazy is it fair to to assume or is it fair to say that you become like obsessed with whatever project you put your mind to yeah for sure but that's what it takes it's i think a lot of people don't really realize that You'd ha you have to sacrifice so much to, to really get to the, like, obviously it depends on how big the goals you set are. But for example, with, with, with what I'm doing currently is like, I've set the goal and I'm very happy, ha like I'm happily talking about this and sort of, you know, to keep myself accountable. It's like, I'm on a mission to inspire millions of people and I know I can do it. I just know it. Like I can just feel in my body that I know I can do it. But um, for me to get to that goal, I know it takes so much and it, I must sacrifice so much, uh, and, and kind of just, you know, sometimes even put myself aside to really get there. Um, which obviously becomes an obsession. Like, yes, like, you know, you think about this 24 seven, it's, it's, I need to practice mindfulness to keep my mind and, and switch off sometimes and stay in control because it just constantly just keeps going. You know, it's, it's, it's never ending. Um, But that kind of is what it takes. And if there's one thing that I've learned in life is that there's nothing you can control, only your mind. That's the only thing that you can control. You can't control your health. You could be, I don't know, you know, like a knockwood uh, hit by a car or whatever, you know. Um, you can't do anything about the weather. You can only do something about the way you think, your own mindset. So, yeah, just kind of just keep yourself on track and it becomes an obsession mm. and how, how do you overcome then those kind of hardship moments that every i mean you talked a lot about it a lot about ups and downs buying the the cheapest bread in the supermarket like how do you overcome then this kind of feeling of um yeah like hardship or maybe like defeat even in in that sense i i would say the the best thing that you can do is you win and you learn That's all you got to do. You win and you learn. You never lose anything. You're always one experience richer. You're always one opinion richer. And all you got to do is just make sure that you try it again and make sure to prevent that mistake. Because all you need is one thing to work. You know, like there's countless of entrepreneurs that have tried thousand things and that one thing just sticks and then boom, they're there. And then everything they touch turns into gold but no one has seen that they've done a thousand different things. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, there's, there's extremely successful young entrepreneurs. There's extremely successful old entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter. Like you just need to keep trying and, and use those 
um, failures as learnings. Just look at them as positive things like, oh, okay, this, this is what happened. Now I'm, I know exactly that I shouldn't do that. You know, how can I prevent that in my next venture? Like I've had plenty of mistakes, you know, which, which cost a lot of money, which kind of, you know, just like burns it, um, into your skin of not being able you know, like, okay, I will never do that again. So I would say that is actually where, you know, it's uncomfortable, which is where the growth will come from. So it's, it's, it's good. It's natural. And you shouldn't look at it as defeats, even though it's extremely tough sometimes. Like I have, you know, been, been, I've had moments in my career where I literally had no idea what I had to do. I, I've even to a point where I felt like, wow, I'm even a little depressed. You know, how can I, what is next for me? Like, what do I need to do? But you, you always just need to get out of it and put yourself back into that mindset and stick with momentum. Is that maybe also like a, a weakness of yours that you like, because you have such a fast paced life is that the moment becomes a little bit more silent that it's difficult for you to handle because it's yeah. Hundred percent. There's been days where I had not too much work or not too much on hands, and I'm just like, huh? Like, how can I not be busy? What do I need to do? And then, you know, obviously, I have my like my exercise. I like to travel. I, um, you know, like to go for nice dinners and stuff. But there's a lot of moments where it's it's kind of difficult to disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we already talked about a little bit before the podcast, we talked about Iman Gassi, about his way of uh, documenting things and uh, that he documented very early. But I also think you kind of did it as well, because I think uh, when you look in your content creation, you also have like some shots from from years ago, like yeah. uh, writing code, like somewhere in, I don't know, yeah. uh, Hong Kong, uh, which which is, I think, quite cool. But like um where did this passion come from like for you like to create content to to document a little bit like like what you're doing so i've always been kind of i would say i always felt like i wasn't really good enough to share my story or everything so i was always super low-key and didn't really make the step to actually start creating content which is also you know kind of I would say like maybe maybe even an insecurity of, of that i had throughout my career because of being you know always feeling like a misfit when growing up. Um, so, but I did take a lot of shots and throughout my career, especially when, you know, moments in China that I could just feel were so special and, and literally like, like I was, I was speaking with, with my close friend Wojtek as well, who's also my, uh, uh cinematographer, um, on that there is no one in the Netherlands that has done what I have done at my age. And I have documented some of those kind of things and it's really special. And currently I'm making the shift to also just bring up as much content as I can from the past, because yeah, this is like, it's definitely a story worth sharing. So, and I would highly recommend to anyone, you know, even if it's, if it's on, you know, a smaller scale to start documenting because nowadays with the passion economy growing, our generation is literally getting um, used to talking to a phone. Like if you see the newer kids on TikTok, they, they are, it's so natural for them to talk mm. to a phone, which is going to create an even steeper increase of the creator economy because it becomes natural for them to document the things that you do, because one day you'll look back and it's going to be so amazing to see your process. And it's also going to be extremely motivating because as I said, you know, throughout my career, I've been journaling a lot, journaling a lot and just reflecting on everything. And every year I become twice the entrepreneur that I was. And sometimes I'm like, oh, 
wow, I managed to even double up from this point, you know, mm. how can I keep doubling up? And you do as, and, and documenting all the stuff that you do is kind of like proof that you actually do. Mm. And there was a little bit of accountability, right? So a hundred percent, a lot of yeah, times yeah. when you, when you see yourself saying something, then you kind of like, you don't want to disappoint the past Daniel or yeah. the past Marcus to say like, ah, well, yeah. let's, let's try to, to pull it through. But I also think that um, putting out content on a platform and also like, documenting is also like about kind of building communities and i think so far you um, yeah you've you've built a community around you but i i, I already heard like a lot of plans of uh, inspiring millions of people um and then of course it, it's more important uh, to even create more content than you yeah. than you do now um, and you've also launched a very cool um yeah web3 uh blockchain project uh, yeah so you launched uh, uh, poops recently yeah maybe you can explain a little bit like what you're trying to to build there yeah. so this is something that is um I, i would say is very special because i don't think there's many entrepreneurs i don't even know if there's any entrepreneurs that have done this um and i would actually like to give to you one and it's called a xiongdi token which means brother in chinese and friend in chinese and what i have done is I have set up a digital token that I gift to people around me that support me, that are friends of mine, that I really respect, that I really appreciate to mark them um, as someone that supports me throughout my career at this specific moment of time on the public ledger. So obviously on the blockchain, everything is, is you know, you can't change any of the data. It's, it's the most secure database. And you claiming one of those tokens or receiving one of those tokens will be forever timestamped on the second of receiving that token, meaning that I can look back at those who supported me at a specific moment of time by simply identifying them through the token they hold. So that is something that I recently launched. And I don't know what exactly that will bring uh, in the future, but I know that I want to be connected to the people that support me in this stage of my career because I'm very ambitious and I know that I will get where I want to be in life. And as soon as I am there, I want to reflect and be able to identify the people that supported me throughout you know, my career at that specific moment of time. So that is what I've recently launched. It's called a POAP, it's a proof of attendance protocol. I've been exploring with maybe setting up you know, an, an alternative, my own version and, and work with a few Solidity developers on uh, sort of deploying a contract on my own and airdropping my token itself instead of using POAP. Mm. Um, but as for now, I've, I've done that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, I've been getting a lot of positive response because I'm literally connecting myself through a token to the people around me. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's super. I think that's also the, the future. Um, I yeah. think uh, in the future, people will follow still big content creators. But I think they will not be okay anymore that the content creator gets paid 1.5 million euro for a post and they will just like it. I think that uh, the future will be really people like setting up those communities uh, yeah. and you maybe get a part for it, for like liking it, for commenting, for sharing, for being part of this community, because otherwise people will turn to solutions like yours to say like, well, yeah if if we support him and if he pushes it and he makes it well we we are part of the community and maybe we get also like our fair share of bringing him to the to the place where he is now exactly. so that's absolutely beautiful in the introduction i said you're a multidisciplinary entrepreneur and you have many passions um development design content creation web3 uh, but i think they're all combined kind of like in entrepreneurship right because in the end you kind of turn everything that you do into like a, a business 
So uh, like, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Good question. I would say entrepreneurship to me is all about problem solving. I really wouldn't overcomplicate entrepreneurship. It's identifying problems and solving them in smart solutions, leveraging your own knowledge, and then obviously having a margin uh, or like a price attached to solving those problems. And that is something you scale. Essentially, all you do as an entrepreneur is solve problems. And I think it's a combination of, you know, solving things you, you like, solving things you are passionate about, solving things that you're interested in. Um, and yeah, I would say that is literally what entrepreneurship is about for me, solving problems. And what does it take to be a good entrepreneur? Consistency. Consistency and, and believing in yourself. Yeah. Nice. And have a very good eye for solving problems. And thinking focus. in structures, which is uh, kind of what code also allows you to do. Because you're really thinking, like, if this happened, that happens. It's kind of also how you identify problems. But I would say my sole answer would to be, yeah, dedication, um, consistency, and, and being a good problem solver. I think that's the most answered question in a podcast of many different entrepreneurs, artists, creators. Like, everyone is saying, like, focus and consistency is, like shared uh, first place which is so interesting i think that uh, even though that is kind of like this complex uh, maybe con complex construct of entrepreneurship where there's so much noise out there currently of this perfect entrepreneur what it maybe like should should be but in the end it's also very simple what it comes down to right yeah it's it's really not that hard like if if, if you can solve simple problems um or very hard problems um, for a few people or simple problems for many people, that's, that's all you need. Like that's all we do as entrepreneurs. We solve problems and we make things easier. And one thing that is extremely important as well is properly communicate what kind of problems you solve. So I would say, I would say that's something that I would add to being a good entrepreneur, being really good at, uh, storytelling and communicating what you are doing. When studying computer science, I noticed that some of the brightest minds in my class weren't able to communicate what kind of problems they were solving. And I wasn't that great of a backend developer. Like I, I'm, I'm good. I know my stuff, but the real smart people in the room, they weren't able to communicate what problems they were solving. And that's why I managed to, you know, break out and have those people work for me because I was able to talk about what problems I was solving. Mm. So I would say that in combination with consistency and dedication, being able to really be, like be good at communicating is something extremely important. And that, that was now the inside out perspective. And from the other side, if you look at an external perspective, like what was the best advice that you ever got as an entrepreneur? I would say the best advice that I've had was that every mentor has a mentor. And that kind of boils down to being open to growth and not having an ego thinking that you know everything. Really be open to learn from others and, and be open to outside perspectives um, and obviously, you know, follow your gut and stick what you think is right, but don't block out all the, all the opinions and, and yeah, find, find a mentor. I would say that, that, yes. that is definitely, yeah. Every mentor has a mentor. That's a, that's a nice one. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, throughout the podcast, you talked about ups and downs. You talked about uh, like having also personal hardships that you had to like come come through. And also, uh, for sure, the last two years were not uh, easy uh, with uh, COVID and not being able to travel, not being able to see, especially, I think, for you, <laughs> because you like to to go around the world. And if you cannot move and you're constantly on one one spot, it's, uh, it's getting a little bit dangerous, probably. But like um, if you think about um, this year, uh, like what uh, made you feel most happy this year? I would say seeing my family, that was definitely, you know, it's, it's kind of being away from home so, so long and having sacrificed so much time. It's like, there's one thing that we have in life, which we cannot get more or less of, and that's time and operating your business efficiently, making sure that you have enough time to also spend time with family and loved ones is something that was a big conclusion for me this year because you can easily get lost in a lot of different tasks and it's also really dependent on how much time you give yourself and for me being able to spend time with my family is something that has made me extremely happy and it also reflected in me being able to create better content which was also something that made me really happy because I could see that I had a really positive impact on a lot of people around me that's beautiful like with all the success but then in the end like it's still the non-monetary value right that yeah it makes well especially having lost a lot of money and it, it kind of you know again like this this is something that we talked about earlier as well it's like you don't lose you win and you learn losing that much money and going through that big of a of a down it puts you back with both feet on the ground and it makes you realize that all those things are not as important. Like money comes, money goes and, and just need to make sure that you do something that you enjoy. And if you want to have a good impact, solve good problems. And in the end of the day, it's all about being happy, right? It's like, I get happy from being able to travel, having a lot of freedom, you know, being able to have a positive impact on other people. That is something that makes me really happy. And that's what it's all about to me. Like, and if you do that right, and if you, you know, solve problems big enough for people to pay money for it, that's, you know, how you scale your business. And then you need to find other people that can help you to scale solving that problem and make sure that they're also happy and in line with what problems you are solving, mm. you know, and that's how you create your company culture. Yeah, 100% agree. Really, I think the first sentence that we said, we talked about your birthday, we talked about the big 25. Yeah. Um, which is maybe like a, a milestone for you uh, to be uh, 25 years, years old. If you look at a little bit uh, into the glass bowl, into the future, uh, what is next for you? Like what are the big things that you are currently working on that, that you wish for the future to, to come through? So one thing that um, I'm currently going through is I'm digitizing a lot of my knowledge. But while I'm digitizing my knowledge, I also, of course, want to make sure that I keep learning myself. So I myself obviously will still force myself into new uncomfortable growth positions, which I would say creating a lot of content is definitely one of them, like digitizing, sort of showing what, what I'm doing in my life, how I'm doing certain stuff, uh, things that go wrong, things that go right. Uh, that is definitely like a, a big learning curve. And most importantly, have a very positive impact on people and And, you know, throughout the experiences that have I, that I've had throughout my life, I really want to build a strong community around people that want to start doing stuff they enjoy and sort of give them the, give them access to the skills to actually sell these kind of, 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 you know, things they enjoy, because it's, it's, 
hard as to get started, but once you're there, it's, it's, it's not that hard and it'll get easier and easier. So that kind of is what I really want to do. Um, get into education because the education system has personally failed me. I didn't feel like I fit it in. I didn't feel like I was learning the right things and I want to provide alternative paths for the new and younger generation, um, on how to, you know, start chasing happiness and, and do stuff you like. Awesome. Yeah. Super impressive. I mean, um, slowly want to yeah, bring this episode also home. I, I, yeah. I think it was the first time in the, the 301 history that uh, an interview script changed so many times because it was very difficult, I think, to to capture you as a person. You have so many different like talents, skills. Uh, you've done so many things. There are so many t points that we haven't even remotely uh, talked about, uh, what you have done and what you're going to do. But I do think uh, like the the kind of like job title, like the born entrepreneur, I think is really like uh, suitable for you because you really have this kind of like personality to always keep going, to be super positive, uh, but still standing with uh, both feet on the ground. So um, very impressive uh, episode. I think very impressive milestone so far. Uh, before I let you off uh, and uh, we can end this podcast, I always have three questions that I ask every guest. So I'm also going to ask that to you. Uh, the first question is, um, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at? Um, what am I not good at right now? I would say um, probably balance. Like I'm a everything or nothing type of guy. And whenever I go for something, I just keep going. And And sometimes I need to realize that I need to take a small step back and and balance it out because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I just need to constantly remind myself of that. So really finding that balance and and um, maintaining that focus. Awesome. What name would you give this chapter of your life? Roller coaster. <laughs> no, I would say I would say it's um, I would say building. Building. Literally just building. Just nothing else but building. Awesome. And the uh, last question, if you could send a SMS to all mobile phones in the world, what would you say? Do something you enjoy. Do something that makes you happy. Because that beats everything. Awesome. That was yeah. fast. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on to the Throne podcast. It was a leisure. Um, I really, really enjoyed the talk. Got super inspired. I hope everyone else will get inspired too. Don't forget uh, to buy the NFTs. There are 30 NFTs out for Daniel's collection. He will let us know probably after the episode what will be the good cause that he will donate all the proceeds. We'll see each other in two weeks. Uh, take care and thank you so much for coming on, Daniel, again. Thank you so much for hosting. I really enjoyed this talk and you've been a great host and I'm really excited to uh, yeah, start auctioning the NFTs or launching the NFTs and donate this to uh, to charity. Awesome. Thank Th you. Thank you. Don't switch off just yet. And first of all, thank you so much for listening to the 301 podcast again. As every episode, please keep in mind that you can buy a digital collectible from this episode with Daniel in form of an NFT. This NFT costs around $10 and 100% of the sale will go to a charity of Daniel's choice. And once we sell out all 30 NFTs, we'll make a donation as a whole. I think this is a win-win situation for everyone. You will receive a unique NFT of this episode and will basically become a part owner of this episode of Daniel and all his knowledge that he spread in there. And at the same time, you help with a little contribution to make a donation to someone in need. Thank you so much again for listening to the Throne Podcast. Yours truly, Marcus 